Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And it's time for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. The show with your spicy takes and our even spicier reactions to them. And this time around, I am back with the wonderful Kieran Oaks. Hello, Kieran. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, always good to be in a Hot Takes Wednesday. And I, I have a feeling after the Australian Grand Prix, um, that's usually when we're going to be getting our spiciest takes when you have such an event-filled race. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one very much. Yes, um, I can confirm that the, the the opinions were flying around after that because it's not like there was anything to talk about during that Australian Grand Prix now, was it? Uh, yeah, uh, very little. Um, and I think hopefully we'll be getting less of the Charles, Charles Leclerc winning a world title takes now, um, which have been <laughs> my downfall in the past, according to people on social media. But I think I might be being proved slightly correct at the moment. So we'll, well. see. We'll see. It's not his fault. It's not. His, I know it's not Charles' fault. It's fine. It's fine. Let's carry on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an it's an accidental positive coincidence in your favour. Is, is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, as with Aston Martin's improvements as well, that's also worked out very nicely. Yeah, it's like when you sit back and realise it now, it's like everything is actually coming up millhouse for you at the moment, Kieran, by complete accident. I think it's quite funny. Nah, nah, wisdom and insight. All there's, there's you can't question. I just know. I just know wheel. It's wheel knowledge. That's all it is. It's okay. You'll learn one day, Dre. It's fine. Oh wow! Well, oh, f- shots fired. Then I see. Okay, fine. It's it's, it's like that. I try to be the analytical nerdy one of the bunch, and this, this, this is how I get repaid. V- vibes, vibes <laughs> with the direction of Kieran. It's like, yeah, Lance Stroll's just going to finish top ten in the championship. Yeah, Lonzo's going to win a race or two. Sod it. Like you know, it, it's all it all just comes up for Kieran. Okay, absolutely. Right for those who are new here, because as I always say, every podcast is someone's first. You, the wonderful WTF1 audience, have sent in your hot takes regarding anything in Formula One, really. There is obviously a hint of Australian flavor to them based off the, the last week of Grand Prix. And uh, we will evaluate your takes and we will score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree with the take and five being that we strongly agree with them. If we both agree on a one or a five, they'll also be put into our special vault of the hottest and coldest takes of 2023, which will unlock like a time capsule at the end of the season. So that's all there is to it. So Karen, are you ready for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday? I've literally never been more ready for anything. Let's do this then. So take number one. It's from Steckleton on F1. And tremendous name, by the way. And I do know Steckleton quite well, sir. So hi, buddy. Uh, hope, you're doing, hope you're doing all right, my friend. And uh, his take is the stewarding this weekend was fine. The red flags were warranted. And under the demands teams and fans had set for not finishing under a safety car, the second restart was justified. When they had to finish under the safety car, it was because of driver errors at the restarts, not from the FIA. There's a lot to unpack here, so I'm. Are you, you going to repeat again. that one? 
Yes, I am because because okay. there there's a lot to unpack there. I, I repeat them all the time anyway, but this one I feel like especially needs to be repeated. There's a lot going on here. The stewarding was fine. The red flags were warranted, and under the demands, teams and fans were set for not finishing under a safety car. The second restart was justified. When they had to finish under a safety car, it was because of drivers' errors at the restart, not the FIA. There is a lot to unpack, as you say here, and. I'm going to start off by taking a vague approach uh, to answering this question. It's not a question. It's a take. Sorry, I forgot what we were doing. Um, Look, I think the FIA can't win. They seemingly cannot win in these situations. You've got Abu Dhabi, 2021. I'm sorry for mentioning it again, but it's relevant under this case. That race should have ended under a safety car. I think there's not really much argument with that. It was an interpretation of the rules by Michael Massey to make it more exciting. And it achieved that for sure, but it invalidated the sport. And it brings up that age-old debate. We, well, not age-old, it's like the last few years, but is it entertainment or is it sport? What route are we going down here? So the next year, Monza 22, um, they safety car till the end of the race, finish under the safety car, and everyone loses their minds about it once again. But for completely different reasons this time. Suddenly... We want the entertainment at the end. We want to red flag the race so we can have racing laps. And there, there can be questions about how long it took to sort that incident with Ricardo's car out at Monza. That's a separate issue, I would say. That was on the track marshals. That was on the organization of that car's removal. But on paper, that's the time they did everything correctly. And then this year, we have them reacting to that reaction to Abu Dhabi by red flagging the race easily. It's a soft red flag. But with the intention, with the intention of getting racing going again, giving us action at the end. So, what the FIA are doing is they're trying to give fans generally what they want. And I know every fan has a different opinion on this. The thing I've seen the most from people is that we need consistency. We need one thing to happen, and that needs to happen every single time. So, I think finishing under the safety car is correct. Personally, I know it's not entertaining. I know it's not fun, but. If that's what needs to happen, that is the sport. They are the rules. I think the stewarding was, in this occasion, I can understand it. I can understand why you would want to give us three, four laps at the end. What, what Was it three or four? I can't remember. It was originally two. Two. Because we, lost, could... we lost the lap form in the grid again. Yeah. I think the, the question comes down to, was that a red flag incident? At any other part of the race, I don't think it was. No, I can completely understand why they did it because I think they're just trying to figure out what the fans generally want, what they are happy with. And I think if they'd red flagged the race, we hadn't had all these incidents at the restart, then everyone would have been like, that was great, fantastic. Action-packed race, lots to lots to enjoy, excitement till the very end. And that's why I completely agree with this. It was because of driver's errors that we are reacting so negatively to this. Carlos Sainz deserved a penalty for that. As far as I'm concerned, I think people are, there's this whole argument of, oh, well, technically it didn't actually happen now, so he shouldn't have been punished for it. Oh, no, I disagree. It was poor driving, um, deserved the penalty, ruined someone's race on paper. I know it didn't work out that way, but then you've got the Gasly and Ocon incident. That was just, it's driving to, it's going over the limit to get a result because you can see yourself so near to the end, like that's where you can make the gains. And if you can't handle that as a driver, that's your problem, as far as I'm concerned. And you should be punished if you ruin someone else's race. 
Obviously, it's his teammate this time, but I think he would have been banned for a race if it hadn't been Ocon. And th- it was it, it was all avoidable. It was all avoidable to me. You've got the, just the really weird... Was it De Vries shunt on Sergeant? Or was Sergeant, yeah. Sergeant punted the freeze at the back of yeah. the field as well. And for some that reason, was just that, bizarre. That, that, went, that went without punishment, which I thought was even more bizarre. Yeah. That, it was that... just com- completely dreadful driving. Yeah. So I completely agree. I, I think... The ideal is that we have a way we handle the situation and do it every time consistently. But in this specific case, I don't have a problem with the FIA. I can understand what they were trying to do. This was on the drivers. So, I, yeah, I like this take. Sorry for rambling on for so long. No, no, it's it's a loaded topic. I completely understand it. Now, now my turn. Um <laughs> This is an interesting one because, like you said, it, it feeds right into the debate that a lot of fans are having with themselves over the last, I think, the last two or three years in particular. And that is, again, it's that very delicate balance between sporting integrity um, and the entertainment factor and trying to enhance the show. Um, and every sport has to deliberate between that at some degree. Like, imagine if the Premier League had a playoff format at the end. They could do that like the Champions League does. Now, is that a more fair or or less fair way of determining who wins a league title? Probably not. But you could also make a case it could be more entertaining to have a straight knockout tournament at the end of a season as opposed to just having everybody play each other home and away. That's a sort of debate that, we, that, that people talk about when it comes to integrity versus entertainment. I'm a huge IndyCar fan as well as a Formula One fan. IndyCar does this way more often where if there's like less than 10% of the race to go and there's a late caution or a yellow flag, as they call call it a caution more commonly over there. But if there's a yellow flag at the end of a race, they will red flag it and they will have a sprint to the finish with X number of laps left. Last year's Indy 500 ended that way. There was it was a three lap fo- dash to the to dash to the cash and Marcus Ericsson won it in the end. Remember him? Um, so it's it's a lot more common than other series. It's also very common in NASCAR where they have the overtime rule where they they will restart a race infinitely until the the penultimate lap finishes under green. So they have to have a green flag finish. F1 has leaned a little bit more towards that in all of this. And I'm still not entirely convinced it's the right way to go about it. I think it's a bit strange that the red flag is being used more as a entertainment enhancer because I don't think Kevin Madison's crash was a red flag under any circumstance. I think that's the definition of a safety car. And, you know, you, you could quickly remove Madison's car, which was near an escape road, and you can remove the loose tire, which was, again, near a, near an escape road as well. It would have been a very quick safety car, and you might still have even been able to get a couple of green flag laps in at the end. The problem is you can't do that under a standing start. It would have to be a rolling start if there was a safety car. And we all know rolling starts tend to suck. Um, They don't have wild changes of position, especially given we don't get DRS till lap three um, of a restart. So again, there's a lot to unpack in all of this. I, I don't like the fact that the red flag, which is again, the ultimate safety tool, stopping a race, which when you believe it's too dangerous to continue is now being used to facilitate a standing restart, which there is nothing more dangerous in Formula One to me than a standing start. 
it's arguably the most high-risk scenario in a Formula One race where you've got 20 cars all bunched up going into a very tricky turn one and turn two in Australia. It's a very awkward line as well. It's 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 a bottleneck sort of corner where it's hard to get 20 cars through in, in cleanly in that sense. So, but again, some pe- I, I can't deny it. Given that this was a race that Max Verstappen was set to dominate, it did get people talking. It was an entertaining finish no matter which way you slice it it probably it got you talking more than just ah max wins by 15 seconds so you can't deny it hasn't worked to an extent and i think you're absolutely right kieran in that fans are going to go back and forth on this because like you said abu dhabi 2021 was an era defining moment in this sport and it got a lot of people down the line of we can't be manipulating or manufacturing finishes. And then Monza happened last year and everyone was kind of on the fence about whether it was, oh, the rules should be followed, but, oh, but, you know, should we be trying to stop Verstappen from winning because there was only two laps to go at the end? And it's like, well, which one do you want? And for what it's worth, by the letter of the law and the book, I had no problem with how the FIA ran it. In, in that sense, I agree with you where that's concerned. Um, the stewarding was fine. The first red flag of Albon, I thought, was fine because gravel was all over the track, full track width. That is dangerous. I was fine with that. Um, the K-Mag one is the one I've got an issue with. And that's what's stopping me from going like for a five here because I don't agree that that was a red flag situation. But if you want an entertaining finish... It was the perfect, it was the perfect alibi for something like that. And then, like you said, the when we actually got that standing restart, the drivers were the problem, not the sport itself. And I think the how they did the running order at the end was fine. I've got no issues with that. So all of that in mind, put it in a blender, hit frappe. I'm gonna go four. I do agree with with this in general that yeah, I think the stewarding was largely fine. Um, and the issue comes from partially the driver's restart. I think if it wasn't for K-Mag and the his crash, and I don't think that was a red flag, I would have gone five. It's so, a very uh, bizarre crash. Very bizarre. <laughs> have, have you ever seen anyone crash around the outside of turn two in Australia? That was a really silly crash from K-Mag. I think I, I just get the point in that I think we're gonna, we always do this in Formula 1. We blow up something and have a huge debate about something mm. like it happens every week this is a, an uncommon occurrence we've just had three examples of it in three years um but yeah f- for me i'm i'm gonna I'm, i feel in bold today i'm gonna go a five on this i i really do agree um that the fia didn't really do anything wrong they're just stuck in that place that everyone in formula one is stuck in entertainment or sport and you know this is a natural outcome of that Right. I, I think there's absolutely going to be people people on both sides of that fence um, mm. getting in, getting into whether that was the right thing to do or not. And the fact that I was sent 10 pictures of a, like, of, of a Nokia 3310 or whether Max Verstappen's wheel was outside of the box or not kind of says it all. We're looking for reasons not to have Verstappen win now, yeah. um, which is the clear sign that, uh-oh, we've got dominant champion status alert here. Yeah. Just bring them and, uh, down. <laughs> I will. I will say as well. Like we, we've. If we're going to discuss things like almost a reverse DRS when someone's leading so convincingly, 
I mean, obviously, there's no nothing in the works for that, but it was something that's been mentioned as a potential for stopping domination. I would much rather have this kind of leveler. It's giving other drivers a chance rather than punishing someone for being so far ahead. I would much prefer that route of doing things than just, you know, saying, you're winning too much, we're going to slow you down. Give the yeah. others a chance. Yeah. I mean, the sport's kind of been inherently built that way with the way technical regs get reset every few years. But, I mean, they're not exactly subtle about it. I mean, again, some people would have absolutely loved that finish. And look, it was it's no secret we're under the race's umbrella. They ran a poll on this race. There was 120,000 votes and 75% of them thought this was a four-star race or better. I think the majority of people liked this move. So, yeah, you can debate that one at home. But uh, I think, for the most part, they got that one right. Take number two from Andrew R31 on Twitter, who says, George Russell will be Max's main challenger in 2024. George Russell will be Max's main challenger in 2024. All aboard the Mercedes wagon again, folks. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we went from ditching side pods to we're back, baby, in the space of a month. I love Mercedes. Their melodrama will never get old. <laughs> I'm so tired of it, Dre. I'm so, it's so draining. Like figuring, Trying to figure out where Mercedes are, hearing Mercedes' views of where they are, it's just tiring at this point because they'll just mm. pop up and do something that's completely against the grain of anything they have suggested over the last... Like, that result, where has that come from? Why were they suddenly looking so impressed? I mean, obviously not, like, world-class, world champion impressive, but mm. it's, I guess it kind of... It's somewhere in the middle. They've been complaining so much, um, and it that was dramatic, um, and they've had a result that makes them look slightly better than perhaps the level they are at. But it was a good weekend, Apart from George's car blowing up, obviously. Yeah. Um. I look. George Russell as a driver, I think, has the capability to be in a title fight with Max Verstappen. Every race I see of Russell's, I am more convinced of the fact that he is a future world champion. I sure. think he is a better driver currently than Lewis Hamilton. I know that'll be a controversial take, but I still I stand by it. I thought it at the end of last year, and I I still think it now. I th I'm not questioning Lewis is still one of the best. I just think George is really coming on leaps and bounds. Um, but I just don't see anyone being a challenger to Max Verstappen. I think that's my issue. I think I'm much more likely to see this point, which is George Russell will be Max's main challenger in 2024. I'd just like to see who's in that Red Bull car next year because I <laughs> think that's the person who will be his main challenger. That's the person who'll be finishing second in the title. I don't know if it'll be Perez. We'll see how this season goes. I've made predictions based on him losing his seat this season. Bold ones. <laughs> yeah, which I slightly regret, but also I'm coming back towards agreeing with myself again. But <laughs> I, I just I, I just can't see Mercedes making that much improvement to get George to a position where he can fight fairly with Max. Because I think if George was in that second Mercedes, uh, sorry, if George was in the second Red Bull, I think we'd be in for an incredibly fascinating season personally which I think Max will come out on top of at the moment. But I think the person is right in this take. I think the car is wrong. I don't think the Mercedes will be that vehicle for George. Look, it's hard not to be impressed with George Russell. He has done everything you could reasonably ask of him since going to Mercedes last year. He was excellent first season. Um, he's been 
very good so far this season as well. You know, was near to Hamilton in Bahrain, beat Hamilton in Saudi Arabia, out-qualified Hamilton all three races so far this season and was looking good as race leader until that first red flag was very unlucky that they turned the safety car into a red flag and then Russell had his pants pulled down on that call and then his engine blows up. It's it was a it was really it was a really unfortunate weekend that was looking really good for George and through no fault of its own, he ended up walking away with nothing. He's excellent. And I've, I've said before, at worst, he's an excellent foil for Lewis. At best, he's Hamilton 2.0. And that's a very strong compliment to how good he can be. I also agree with you that I don't think that Russell is the problem here. That that stops me from believing in this take. It's the, it's the Mercedes itself. They are struggling. And... Do not let the sunshine and rainbows of Australia fool you. I think the smoothness of Australia as a track and be, and Mercedes being able to run their car lower to the ground, we all know how bad the porpoising affected them last year. So having being able to run their car lower was a big plus for Mercedes. I think that's what made them um, a little bit better than Aston Martin over the course of the weekend, and that's what enabled Hamilton to finish second on merit. So I think they were flattered a little bit by Albert Park. I still think they're nowhere near Red Bull, and that's the problem. It's the 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 only main contender in 2024 for, for, for Max, the way I'm seeing it right now, is gonna be whoever Max's teammate is, and I still think it'll be Checo. Um it's it's kind of weird how a 20th to fifth comeback is like only considered decent now because we know how stupidly good that Red Bull is. Um and before then, Perez had a complete haulix of a weekend. Um, he's had he was he was in the gravel trap more than me trying to play golf. It was rough um, out there, pardon the pun. But it's very good. I have my moments. Um, so yeah, I think that Red Bull will ultimately still have a dominant car next year, and by default, whoever's Max's teammate, and I still think it will be Checo will be Max's main challenger. And that's the beautiful thing about the lopsided scoring system. Max can absolutely kick Perez around week in, week out, but he might only get between six and eight points for it if Perez is finishing second every week. Um, now, this also was an outlier because Perez was, was awful in Australia, but via convention, that's what you'd expect given how Red Bull are going this so far this year. So... With all that in mind, I'm going to go two on this. George Russell is a great driver, and if the car is good enough, then I agree. I think he could be a, 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 a very exciting new challenger for Verstappen. Like, Russell is clearly very good, but he's not been in a car that can truly challenge for the championship yet, and that will be the big test for George, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But right now, I don't think Merckx has a car to do it. I'm going to go with two. Um, not doubting George's ability, but like you say, doubting the Mercedes car and where that will be next year. And also, I think George Russell needs... We've seen Max over the years mature as a driver. Max is now incredibly calm, collected, sensible, not not flinging it into turn one at the start of the race um, like we saw this weekend. Because he knew he'd get the position, so he can just be sensible. And I think George is still lacking a little bit of that maturity. So in a few years, if it was 25, 26, I'd be much more likely to agree with this one. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely valid. 
This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot WTF1. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Take number three from Dinklebox on Twitter. And this is a bold one. Kevin Magnuson will retire at the end of the season. Straight to the point. K-Mag retires at the end of the year. Now, I know we just talked about K-Mag a little bit, but it is interesting that Hulkenberg has come back. I'd argue been pretty good. I mean, we finished seventh in Australia. That was a fantastic result for Haas. Could have been a podium Could... if the rules had been read differently. Yeah, yeah. If they if they had taken that restart for what it was and they used a different safety car timing loop, which was the reason why the FI threw out the protest, they didn't like the reliability of their second safety car line for clarification on that. Because, you know, everybody loves a, a potential result change. You know, it, it comes up a lot in this sport. Um, K-Mag retiring though, Kieran, how do you feel about that? I, d- I don't really know. I think he's not made a strong start to the year. As I've said, that accident was bizarre. It was just a weird crash. Um, I think some people were suggesting maybe it was sun-related, just lost vision for a second and absolutely smacked into the wall. Um, he is being shown up by uh, by uh, Hulkenberg at the moment. I think I would go further. I would say Hulkenberg's having a very good season. Of course, he's had a couple of bits of bad luck, but... He's just come into a car after a year out and just been reliable. Like he is putting in solid performances, very good qualifying. Excellent and that's what's qualifying. that's that's what's letting Kevin down at the moment. Um and I, I can't see personally, I can't see Kevin retiring. He doesn't seem like that sort of character. I don't think he will believe that he is um at the right point of his career to retire. But can I see him having his seat next year? I don't know. Has it's really difficult to read Hass. What do they want? What are they happy with? Where are they going? Where is the project going? Because if at the moment they're expecting to be sort of maybe getting a few points here or there at some races, then you're not going to be that disappointed with how things are at the moment. But if that car should be around where Hulkenberg is putting it, then you've got to be pretty disappointed with what Kevin's been doing so far. So I don't know. I don't think he's secure by any means. Um, in terms of a seat for next year, I like I say, I can't see him thinking it's time to retire, but I think losing a seat would um, would be his retirement, essentially. He's not going to be getting back on the grid, I don't think. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be, it'll be more like a pseudo-retirement where it's like his hand is forced rather than um, he actively just comes out at the end of the year and says, yeah, I'm retiring. I'm done. Uh, bye, everybody. Um, I know he's got a young family and he's got a beautiful daughter that we see almost every weekend <laughs> now and um, and what have you. But he's still reasonably young. He's only 30 years old, which is middle of the road for an F1 driver these days. So you know he's, been, he's more of a veteran now um, as opposed to a young gun when he was making his, his his debut at McLaren. I agree that I think Hulkenberg, who let's not forget was, has not been in a regular seat in F1 for three years now and has come back and has been pretty darn solid. He, it's like, he's never really been away, you know, excellent in qualifying a little bit weaker in race trim, but again, seventh place on merit in Australia is an excellent result. It's just, it's a, if anything, it's kind of a shame that there were, he was in a McLaren sandwich because in that midfield bar fight, McLaren just took 12 points, which was big for them, um, given how bad their season started. It's not a good look for K-Mag that Hulkenberg's come in after being pretty darn rusty. Only a couple of standing drives last year when Vettel had COVID, and he's come in and he's immediately been as good as Magnussen, I think, so far this season. But also, I think Magnussen's probably earned some loyalty because he didn't wreck his car every two seconds. And I think that's why Mick Schumacher lost his job last year. And look, I still disagree that Mick should have been sacked. But given that they're a smaller team, given they don't have the resources that a bigger team does, you can understand why the crash damage might have been a factor as to why they got rid of Mick in the end. But would you not say that they've been proved right in that with Hulkenberg's performances so far? It's... I can't argue with it. it. It's worked for Haas so far. I think they've got two very solid drivers now. It's uninspiring. And as a fan, I'm not going to say it's exciting to bring back Hulkenberg for the third time in his lengthy veteran career. And I know people like to make jokes about Hulkenberg's career because he hasn't had a podium finish in it. And I, I don't think that's it's as simple as that. I think Hulkenberg is a very good, has been a very good midfield driver in F1 for a very long time. But I don't think it's a good look for K-Mag but I also don't think it's going to be enough to make the team want to move on from him after this season. I think he's been there for a little while. I think they, I think he's earned some, some loyalty points. He's not wrecking the car like, like which was a problem with Mick. Okay. This was a bit of an exception in Australia, but that's not normal for K mag. He normally brings the car home in one piece. It's rare that he makes such obvious mistakes. So I just think they'll roll with K-Mag and Hulkenberg for at least another year or so. And then maybe if depending, because I know Hulkenberg's a lot older, I think he's 35. So depends if Hulk wants to keep going or anything along those lines. But I, I don't think it's going to be a, a forced retirement for K-Mag or anything like that anytime soon. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go one here, actually. I don't. I, I think K-Mag's pretty safe. It, it, it would take a pretty disastrous season from here on in that we're talking about K-Mag losing a seat. I, I, yeah. I, I, I put it straight down as an outlier more than the norm. Yeah, I'll go with the two. I, th- like, I think he was strong last year. Um, well, in, in the context of Haas. And it's been a bit of a disappointing start, but there's a long way to go this season. So I'm only not going one just because of you know, the poor start, but I think he'll pick it up. So yeah, two from me. Cool. Next one up, take number four from Wolfpack77516 on Twitter, who says, Daniel Ricciardo is a fan favorite and everyone would love to see him back in a race. 
Should F1 make the teams have to use a third driver at least once a year? Fascinating mm. one, this. Like we 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 got we got to keep Daniel in. We got we we got to get Ricardo back in. You know, um, it's an it's an interesting take. So yeah, one more time, Daniel Ricardo is a fan favorite, and everyone would like to see him back in a race. Should F1 make the teams have to? You're saying you you said F1 should make the teams use a third driver at least once a year. Uh, no. <laughs> Straight I mean, to the point, Kieran. <laughs> well, I mean, just making them use a third driver once a year, you're skewing your whole point system. Um, you are disadvantaging one of your disadvantage. Is that the word? That you you are one of your drivers is losing out for that. You have to choose your driver to replace for a weekend. And look, being a fan favorite is fantastic. But that should never guarantee you a drive in Formula One. I'm sorry, it, it just shouldn't. I Daniel Ricciardo has not got a seat this year because he has not been good enough um, in comparison to Lando Norris. And just from the perspective of himself, he knows the results in that McLaren for whatever reason were not good enough. And as soon as you get into this idea of changing the rules or flexing things to allow for people we like, it's again this whole entertainment versus sport thing. Um because the best the drivers on the grid theoretically should be the best 20 drivers at the moment in the world and it doesn't work out that way for numerous reasons we know this but like daniel ricardo being liked yeah sure he's a lovely guy that shouldn't guarantee him a formula one seat or a formula one drive in a year and also it's kind of speaking for him but it's going against what he's been saying he he wants a year out and i feel people that people need to get over this Daniel Ricciardo does not want to be driving at the moment. He wants to be back in the future, which is a whole different debate for a different day. I don't think it will be as easy as some people think it will be for him to get back into Formula 1. I don't know if he ever will. But at the moment, he is happy in this role of just helping out, being a third driver, being on call. And I'm sure he would like the idea of just at one race this year, maybe there's illness or something, he pops into the seat. I'm sure he would be well up for that and love it. But I think this is speaking for him wanting to be involved more this year than he actually does himself. So it's an absolute no from me. Strong, strong perspective. I mean, this feels like a natural expansion on what we already have in Formula 1 with the pre-practice rule. For those who don't know, every team has to use, quote, a young driver in a practice session two times a season. Um, encourages some super license points for some of their junior and academy drivers and little things like that. So there's already like some degree of using a third driver. And I've I've seen this argument come up a few times about ways of, you know, trying to make things more interesting, like, you know, three car teams. I've seen that one come up a few times before, you know, using a third driver here and then, but it got to be a young driver, like someone out of the academy. This isn't that with Daniel Ricciardo. This is more based on the fact that everybody likes Daniel. And look, I like Daniel. He's a he's a engaging personality in the sport. Desperately needs those sorts of people, and he's one of the few people that I think was a huge benefactor of the DTS boom. Would you ever imagine seeing Daniel Ricciardo on Stephen Colbert, for example? That is something that you would never imagine possible five years ago. That he's doing American talk shows and and being treated like he's an actual celebrity that people recognize now. It's it's wild to me, but I don't think we should be going down the road of using a third driver for the sake of fan engagement. Like like that's that's one too far for me. Um, 
I like Daniel. Teams would never allow this to happen, like because you'd have to be sitting one of your drivers out for a weekend, and that could have big competitive ramifications. Um, and the third driver is a third driver for a good reason, because they're probably not as good as the people they already have in their jobs. And like you say, Kieran, look, I think Ricardo was a lot better outside of McLaren, and I think his Renault period was 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 is exceptional, but. His, his McLaren run was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. And Formula One is very much a sport of what have you done for me lately? And Ricardo deserved to lose his job. And Piastri's been pretty good since taking over the, that 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 seat at McLaren and justified the moving on and basically telling Daniel to get paid not to come to work. So I don't think we should be rotating um, driver lineups in certain races like for what what what's the plus you know a, a few more clicks on social media I, I i i can't see the positive reason that would make the sport better by having a third driver in a seat as a one-off it's it's nice for curiosity's sake like we almost had pierre gasly get a race ban so we would have had jack Dewan in the baku that would have been mildly intriguing but again there's a reason for that gasly almost got banned for a race so it's you know, it. I, I can't get there on this one. I'm going to go think, one well, here. The, on, the only fair interpretation of this that could work is you have one race a season where both drivers for a team are reserve drivers, third drivers, you know, in their academies. Um, because I'm ta- if you take the perspective of this should be an opportunity, we should have a chance to see more young talent on track in Formula One cars. I don't class Daniel Ricciardo as that in the slightest. I don't think he is where the focus should be. But if we wanted to see more people on track, you have to have a dedicated event for it. You can use the same cars, but you cannot take half of your grid out of the championship for a week. It's just not going to work. But yeah, it's a it's a one from me as well. Yeah, so that goes in the vault. Congratulations, Wolfpack. Uh, sorry, sub zero, uh, sub sub zero. Like we 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 love Daniel Ricciardo here, uh, but unfortunately, probably not to the point where we got to bend the entire competitive nature of a sport just to facilitate him being there. Uh, we have limits. <laughs> Take number five from Chris Aura, who says Lando Norris will outscore Charles Leclerc this season. Oh, Leclerc's back. Oh I boy! Too soon at the start. Well, look. If anything, it's the complete opposite of your championship-winning takes you've had earlier on this show. It is. It is nice to see. We, we've we've gone we've gone full circle. We've gone the complete other way now because now we're saying that Charles Leclerc might lose out to Lando Norris over the course of the season. Now it's funny he says this because you look at the championship right now. Lando Norris. Uh, has eight points in eighth. Charles Leclerc is having his worst start to a season since his rookie year at Sauber. <laughs> He's 10th right now on just six points. Was in the gravel trap again early doors in, in Australia, Kieran. So do you think there's a chance this holds up over the whole season? No, absolutely not. No, that's a ridiculous take. Um, stupid. I would go as far as to say stupid. <laughs> and look... <laughs> I, I I don't think he's going to ever win a world championship, but I do think that he is in a car that's clearly capable of finishing top six um, week in, week out. He's had an engine failure, not his fault. He was hit out at the start of the race. Not Lance's fault either. I'll, I'll just clarify. That was, it was, I mean, possibly a bit of a naive move from Charles. I think his line was, it wasn't taking into account what was going on next to him. But 
look, it's just sort of, it's one of those things. These things happen in turn one. He's going to get back into it. And I'm not saying he's suddenly going to be podium finishing in um, in Baku, but he will. He'll be back on the podiums. He'll have a decent season probably in terms of most Formula One drivers. Most would say, oh, I love that. I love those number of points at the end of the year. And Norris is just in an awful McLaren. I, I know we're expecting fairly big upgrades around Baku or maybe a little bit afterwards, but I mean, it's, it's going to take a long way to get that McLaren anywhere near a Ferrari. Like you saw the way it's obviously Red Bull's DRS play, uh, plays a part in this, but the way Perez overtook Piastri whilst Piastri had his DRS open. Oh, yeah. Just the the gap between these cars is unreal. So, look, uh, yeah, Leclerc's had an awful start to the season, granted, but it's been bad fortune rather than he can't drive and he's, he's in a car that's not going to get points. No. No, I mean, he'll absolutely finish high. Yeah, I mean, let's break it down. Charles Leclerc in Bahrain, his power unit dies when he's running third. That in itself will be 15 points, and that's already that's already nearly twice as much as what Stroll's had through three races. Stroll, sorry, no, Loris has had through three races. <laughs> Stroll on the brain, I know, I know the feeling. I know the uh, feeling. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm being infected by Kieran. <laughs> um, but uh... Not the first time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, buy me a drink first but uh, <laughs> no like like you look at the season so far Bahrain he was on for third maybe fourth depending on how Alonso comes through the field at the end that race alone would have put him above Norris in the standings worst case scenario he finishes fourth that's 12 points Norris has eight you know we, 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 he's already up by four they were unlucky to a degree in Saudi Arabia, if not a little bit slow, because they, they had the overcut work on Stroll, but then the safety car came out when Stroll's car failed. That hurt them in the first half of the race. And then Australia, yeah, I think Leclerc was a bit wild in the line he chose to take. I still put it down in the, in the books as a racing incident, but ultimately he was out. And Norris, the, the, the sample size of McLaren is so small so far this season because with them that their Bahrain weekend was a complete disaster due to poor reliability and then Saudi Arabia Pierre Gasly accidentally but very accurately ruined both their races within 20 seconds which didn't help either and this was a bit of an outlier round as well because the field got a bit jumbled up with the standing restarts both Alpines taking each other out um, signs getting hit with a hefty time penalty because of the fact that the race finished under a safety car. Five seconds would normally bring you down eight or nine spots. I'm I'm being I'm I'm playing this out to be generous, but I I I, I can't imagine a scenario where Leclerc is going to end up behind behind Norris. I think the Ferrari is a car that's good enough to probably get on the podium. Um, a few times throughout the year, McLaren has got no evidence whatsoever. Um, of being in that sort of ballpark. Norris is a fantastic driver, but I just don't think that car is on that level at all. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think we're in, I think we're in agreement here, Kieran. I think it's going to be a one from us on this one. Is that fair to yeah. say? Put it in the sub-zero bin. It's in the bin. It I don't know if it is a bin. I don't know where we're I've, storing. I've used, the... I've used bin, vault, cauldron. It's I probably to... just. A, is it just a Google document? It's yes, it is. A, a it is a Google document. Yes, yeah. that's, that's exactly what it is. I need an official name for it. If people want to send me some tweets regarding that at Dre underscore WTF one. Feel free to send in your suggestions. I am very intrigued as to what we should call the sub zero box or vault or whatever you want to call it. Sack. 
the sack, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll go with it. Last take of the episode from Lewis Hamilton. No, that's it. Really is oh. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, not it's, it's 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 not that Lewis Hamilton, but it's another Lewis Hamilton. Uh, uh, Lewis fifteen H on Twitter. Uh, hi, hi to you, buddy. Uh, I've seen you on my mentions before. Says Hulk is one of the most adaptable drivers on the grid, up there with Alonso, Max, and Hamilton in terms of adaptability. Hulk is one of the most adaptable drivers on the grid, up there with Alonso, Max, and Hamilton in terms of adaptability. What do you make of that one, Kieran? Interesting. Um, I, I mean, as I said earlier today, I think Hulkenberg is massively underappreciated. I think he's underrated. I think people were very harsh about him when he, uh, when the news broke that he would be replacing Mick this year. And I think he's proved a lot of people wrong, even though he's not getting open praise for it because people don't like to admit they were wrong. Um, but putting him up there with Alonso and Max, I would say is questionable. I have left Lewis out of that list for a reason. I don't think Lewis is a, is as adaptable as Max or, or Fernando. I think we've seen that with the way he was, he struggled with this Mercedes in comparison to how George came in. And that's not a criticism at all because you're going to lose over years of doing this and driving. You're going to lose adaptability. George is way more likely to come in from a worse car and get something out of it than someone who's so just now programmed to be driving the fastest car on the grid. And that's a skill in itself, but it's not adaptability. Um, and Hulkenberg, you know, he's been around the shop. He's had to drive lots of different cars over his career and he's had to come in yet again and prove himself in an entirely new car with different regulations. And he's done that. So I'm not going to put him up there with Alonso and Max. I might put him around Hamilton's level of adaptability. But again, it's something we, it's a hard scale to measure adaptability. And I'm not at all saying he is as good a driver as Lewis Hamilton. I'm just saying, I think he's probably, you could probably stick him in any car on the grid and he'd get a result uh, of some kind uh, within the context of where that car is placed on the grid. So, yeah, I, d- I don't I don't hate this take at all. I think there's some legs to it. What about you? I think you're right. Adaptability is a very hard thing to measure um, or quantify because different teams can have different performances year on year. Positions in the grid can go up and down. I mean, we, we've mocked Alonso over the years for making bad career decisions and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but it doesn't mean his performances have been bad with said teams. It just means that he wasn't in a position to win a championship. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, I'll say this about Hulkenberg's career. This is the third time he's been back as a full-timer. He's been in and out a couple of times. I remember 2010, he, he did really good at Williams as a rookie and then lost his job to Pastor Maldonado, <laughs> um, which is a sentence that I've had to say in my head many a times. I think, how the hell did we get to that point? <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he lost out when he lost the Renault gig um, to, to Esteban Ocon um as well again there was an argument you maybe could have made for Hulkenberg to stay I remember when he went to Racing Point as a stand-in um when Stroll and Perez had COVID and he was outstanding he was in, he 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 acted like he'd like he'd never been gone he was fantastic was was 
He came from the back of the field at the Nürburgring to finish in the points. He was driver of the day that day. Silverstone, I think, until he had to make a late stop, which was mechanical related. I think he was running in the top six, qualified third. He, he's he's a, he's about as good a standing as you could ever wish to have in F1. And, he, and that's because he's better than that. He's clearly still good enough to be here on this grid. And I think a lot of fans just get into this notion where you've got to have the youngest and the hungriest talent coming through constantly. But Hulkenberg is still more than good enough to be here. And he's walked into a Haas team after only having two races in three years and has been on the level of Kevin Magnussen, who was a good driver in his own right, if not a little bit better. That is a glowing endorsement of how Hulkenberg is as a veteran of this sport. And he's done this a couple of times before. So I've, I agree with the take. I think there is absolutely a solid argument you could make here that Hulk is an adaptable driver. He's been thrown in the deep end with many a difficult scenario and been competitive. If not more than that, I'd say pretty good. So I, I, I agree. I'm not sure about the name comparison because, again, it's very hard to measure. I'm going to ignore that part of the take, not because I think it's invalid, but because it's hard to make a, a direct mm. comparison. But I think the overall perspective, I mean, I'm going to say four. I, I agree with this take. I think there is absolutely something to that, that Hulk is one of the field's more adaptable dudes. Oh, I'm going to completely agree with you. So what a lovely, a lovely spiritual and sensual, Not no, neither of those words are correct. But it was a nice <laughs> note to end on, agreement. Buy, buy me a drinks and then and then sensual agreement. We we we, we, we get along so well together as podcasters when, when we're not arguing about Charles Leclerc. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you all very much for for listening and sending in your takes. There'll be more next week, so look out for the tweet on Twitter at WTF One Official. Sending your takes in reply to that. Yes, uh, the WTF1 Clubhouse. We are running out of space pretty quickly. So if you haven't already, go to WTF1.com forward slash clubhouse. Um, we are running out of spaces and time is ticking to get a spot um, in our clubhouse for the British Grand Prix later this year. So do check that out if you haven't already. Uh, thanks for you'll reminding get to me, sleep Kim. with me, Andre. <laughs> a terrifying what? thought that is <laughs> that is definitely not worth paying for but there's other cool stuff too i promise do check that out uh wtf1.com forward slash uh clubhouse but until then i've been Dre harrison he's been kieran oaks until then sign out take care bye